0: My parents were a little bit um, different in that they, they always took us around the Philippines. Photography for me is just a, a vehicle to, or a medium that, that is my window to the world because I love to visually communicate. Uh, as I get older now too, I've, I've kind of trained myself to find beauty wherever I am, even in my neighborhood.
1: That was travel photographer Alfonso Calero. My name is JP Alipio and you're listening to The Wildcast. Hey friends, welcome back to The Wildcast Podcast. It's been a while since I've heard all of you and I'm very happy to come back to The Wildcast with another episode with an amazing photographer Alfonso Calero. Alfonso is a photographer, he's a teacher, he is a traveler, and he is my friend. We traveled together in the mountains of the Cordilleras with his clients many years ago, shooting the landscape, the beautiful landscape that is my home, and watching him teach his clients, you know, to be, to find the the wonder that he sees every day in everything ordinary is something amazing and this is a conversation with him about his work about how his work has been affected by the pandemic and of course what he looks forward to when the pandemic is over so here it is this is my conversation with alfonso calero travel photographer and friend Hi, Alfonso. Welcome to the Wildcast. And I'm really happy to see you again. It's been a few years since we were out here in the mountains in, in the Cordilleras. So how have you been? How, how, how has life been treating you in Australia?
0: Very good. We're very lucky to be here in, in Sydney or in Australia. Very few cases and uh, it seems to be under control compared to the rest of the world.
1: All right. And um, how is life you know, in the pandemic sort of affected you, your business? I mean, I know the last time you were here, a lot of what you do is about travel. I mean, that's that's sort of the the main thing uh, that you used to do. And how has this whole pandemic sort of affected that?
0: Um, I'm lucky because my business was local and global so um uh what I mean by that is my photo walks that run in in every city in Australia have continued to run i mean it it did it did have a big uh, impact of course from around April to october last year um so that was kind of the bread and butter and uh the government here actually gave everyone some money as well um if we could prove through our tax accountant that we were, you know, suffering during the pandemic with at least a seventy percent drop in sales, which we, which was a hundred percent drop in sales, so um, that 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 saved uh, that saved us the government assistance, um, um, and of course the global tours um, that that I couldn't do at all because that stopped from March last year.
1: Right, right. And how has how has it felt there? Like you live in an you basically live on an island and one of the few islands in the world where it seems life has continued in continued as normal compared to let's say, you know, the other places you've lived in your life, which is Spain, the Philippines or Japan and 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 it seems that Australia has sort of survived through throughout the last year without much disruption in, in, in life.
0: Um, yeah, geographically, I guess we're, we're lucky in that we're an island nation, so we don't have, you know, bordering countries uh, coming in. And, and they pretty much closed the borders when it happened, like New Zealand did. And then uh, everyone that comes in has to go to a hotel for two weeks, quarantine. Um, which is under health supervision, and the police and military are there as well. And uh, so, yeah, I guess that's how we were able to kind of live in our little bubbles.
1: Mm-hmm. And maybe let's let's go back a little bit. And I know you you grew up in the Philippines. You spent about fifteen years uh, growing up in the Philippines. You're Spanish Filipino. Um, and how did you find photography as someone who now works? I mean, th- this is your main thing. This is your main career. How, how did photo- photography find you or did you find photography?
0: Uh, I think uh, National Geographic is where it all started. So I, I wasn't really a big reader, but I, I was um, love looking at good photos <laughs> and uh uh-huh. my yeah, lucky parents and of yeah. course national geographic <laughs> photos. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty good quality even to this day. So I was uh blessed with the uh the subscription that my parents had from from the time I was born. So it was always on the coffee table. And and, and I just look I was just mesmerized with that was like my window to the world because you know born and raised in Manila and I never left the Philippines till I actually came to Australia. When I was fifteen, oh, wow. that was my first time overseas. So I, I never really understood what was going on out there, but I was super curious. So, and that that was my window to the world. Thank you, Nat Geo. <laughs>
1: I think that this for this a lot of po- people. This
0: podcast, is not, this podcast is not sponsored by Nat Geo. <laughs> no, it's but, not. Yeah.
1: <laughs> but uh, but I think for a lot of people, you know, National Geographic, even for me was really that window for the to the world you know i mean i love traveling and you know as a young boy the first time i actually traveled outside the country i was 20 or something like that and and before that it was all essentially it was all national geographic so so that's sort of how we discovered the places how we found maybe our passion for traveling and and then did you study as a photographer? is this something that you, you studied? Yeah, yeah.
0: so um, uh, I, uh, I would be considered a late starter as a photographer. So my first camera came to me when I was 19, when I, I traveled around Europe for a year. That's my first time out of Australia and the Philippines. Uh, and then I didn't really decide to study photography till I was 30. So it was a hobby for, you know, a good 11 years. But um, that's when I came back from Japan after living there um, and then kidnapped my now Japanese wife and brought her here Um, and uh, became a photographer after four years of studying and doing a diploma. I studied here at the Sydney Institute of Technology. And yeah, um, that's where it all started at the age of 30. I'm 55 now, so it's, yeah, late. Late usually. Most photographers yeah. started so 18, 19.
1: Twenty-five years of photography. And maybe Oh yeah, twenty-five years as a career, right?
0: Pretty Four much, left. yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And and you've you've sort of built this career on travel and um you know, you've you've built this career on travel photography specifically in the places you've lived in. I mean places that you are Somewhat connected to, you know, like like Japan, the Philippines, or Spain. Um, Can you tell me about those trips that you do? uh, For I mean, for the listeners of these podcasts, we've been essentially we've been locked into our little towns or little or wherever they are uh, at the moment, and without really the chance to travel. And can you tell me about some of the most memorable trips you've done as a travel photographer, bringing clients around the world?
0: Yeah. uh, So the overseas uh, photo tour started uh, in 2008. And uh, the first one I did was to Japan. So I go to Japan probably three, four times a year um, until the pandemic hit, of course. I hope to go there at the end of this year. But I would say... My, I mean, aside from the Philippines being my my first home, my second home outside of Australia would probably be Japan. Um, my wife's from Tokyo. I, I I speak the language. I used to live in Tokyo for four years. I love Japan. Mm-hmm. You you've been, haven't you? Um, to yes, Japan. Yes, I have. I
1: have uh, some years yeah. ago. Yeah, it's been a while.
0: Yeah, I just yeah, I love the contrast of the the urban and the rural areas because. Um I love that um probably what seventy, eighty percent is um forest and
1: That's very mountainous. Right?
0: Yeah, even though they're they're having issues with that. Uh we won't get into that. But um uh with the pollen and all that going into the mm-hmm. cities and they they replanted, but they're not they're not managing it. It's just going crazy at the moment. But having said that, Japan has such a diverse culture and, and seasonal is super uh different in autumn winter or spring. I don't go in summer it's too humid and hot. So but what's the what's say... the season
1: that you you go to Japan?
0: Yeah, I would say that uh autumn is my favorite. I go I aut- I go autumn, winter and spring. So I go October, November, uh January, February and then March, April. Um so that they're they're my favorite seasons, and every location is is special in its own season. So I go to Hokkaido up north. You've been to Hokkaido, haven't you?
1: No, no, that's not one of the places I've been to.
0: Yeah, that's super pristine and and protected, and and very. There's a lot of farmland there, but there's a lot of uh, wildlife. So in winter, uh-huh. you can shoot. You can shoot a lot of like the, uh, red crown crane birds dancing in the snow. Um, you can shoot, uh, sea eagles, um, over the ice. Uh, you can shoot, uh, Ural owls coming from Siberia, um, snowscapes sort of really minimalist, uh, snowscapes around, um, in BA this area. So yeah, there's so much variety and winter is beautiful in uh-huh. uh, January, February.
1: Right. I mean, for a lot of Filipinos, I think Japan is all about the spring, you know, the, the the cherry blossoms. And that's sort of the big draw for a lot of Filipinos going to Japan. But as someone who's lived there, uh, and and I've traveled with you on your photo tours, I know you like to provide somewhat of a different experience. And, and sort of a localized experience based on since you've lived there um you want it to be special for your clients and you want to show sort of what japan is for japanese uh, i would say and what are what are those other special areas in japan that you've been able to to bring uh clients to and those areas that are sort of special to you uh photography wise
0: um, one particular experience that people always uh, recall, because I always try to get feedback from the customers after, and I have a lot of repeat clientele, is an area up near um, Kanazawa called Ainokura. So Ainokura are uh-huh. these um, thatched houses, thatched uh, roofed houses, that uh, were built about two hundred plus years ago. And Ainokura is a village of twenty or so of these houses that are, it's part of UNESCO. It's a UNESCO heritage uh, village, along with some okay. other areas. Like, uh, Shirakawago is another one, about uh, 45 minutes drive from there. But I prefer Ainokura because it's less touristy and it's in a valley. And um, on my website, you've probably seen some images of um, the the village and uh, the valley. It's just so magical. I mean, uh, and staying there the night, is is really authentic. They haven't fixed anything up to make it, uh, yeah, you know, too modern. So it's nice. I mean, of course, you still got the toto toilet that you that's I appreciate. <laughs> you know, right, the, right. A, Not
1: the squat you know, toilets.
0: Toilet. No, not the squat toilets. So they got the they got the modern toilet, but they still have the tatami mat uh, floor, and then you have the irori, which is you know the the earth uh, floor with the pot hanging over the top, and then they cook like river fish there, charcoal um, Wow. Uh, yeah, so it's, a bit, it's a bit smoky, but uh, it's lovely. Um, and uh, the houses are, are really well maintained because the, the whole community get together every uh, few years because they have to change the thatch roofs every few right. years. It's a, it costs a lot of money to, to maintain them, but they all they have this community group, like a co-op group, and they all help each other. To do that uh, as a group, uh, especially during summer.
1: Wow, nice! I I, I was at the, um, I forgot the name of the village, but when I was in Japan ten years ago, there was a village similar to this. We didn't stay yeah. for the night, but uh, is similar like they preserved it, thatched roofs. Um, all the houses have uh, the what what it was like in Japan two hundred years ago, and they even have some sort of specialized wa- fire suppression system that douses the whole village in like tons of water in a few seconds, essentially, because it's so important to yeah. all of these places. Um, one of the things I, I really sort of noticed while I was in Japan is there is this both very distinct sort of cut between the past and the present, you know, the, the old Japan and the present, but there's also a lot of sort of, Interconnection between the past and the present, and you see it in in the lives of the people there. And it's a very distinct thing that that the culture is so alive and adapted to what would be one of the most modern countries in the world.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I double that. I uh, I agree with everything you've said. It's. Um they're so ahead technologically, but at the same time, there's that beautiful contrast of, of the old world in, in so many ways, deep in the culture, deep in the way of thinking, uh, the way of acting and, and yeah, you can walk around the corner and see a really beautiful old 300 year old house. But then, you know, you'll also walk around the corner and find, um, uh, some amazing vending machines that sell everything.
1: Right, and aside from Japan, you've you've been to you know Spain. Spain is a big place in your tour as well, right? Um, you you do tours in Spain.
0: Yeah, north or south, ten days at a time.
1: Okay, and, and as someone you speak Spanish, you have Spanish, basically cultural roots. Uh, despite growing most of your life in, in the Philippines. Um, can you tell me a little bit about how you design your tour um, in Spain? Uh,
0: the uh, southern areas, um, it's all self-driving for most of the trip. And uh, I teamed up with my cousin in Madrid, who's also a photographer. And so he helps me with the driving uh, and I take only up to six people usually. So if we go south, um, you know, we'll hit the iconic locations like Cord- Cordoba, Granada, and, and Sevilla. Uh-huh. But we'll also try to go a little bit off track into smaller villages like uh, Ronda or Bejer de, Bejer de la Frontera, which are like these whitewashed... All uh, right, oh,
1: I, I, I was there uh, two years ago, actually. beher that's a beautiful uh, place.
0: Uh, it is, isn't it?
1: Yeah yeah I mean the 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 town is by the coast and it's yeah. just this white it's white everywhere it's so bright the, yeah. the whole town is so bright because you know it's you know the skies there are just blue there's no clouds um and the whole town is just it's just bright white everything is you know there's and because it's not you know it's not like the Philippines where you'll have wet dirt sort of meshing into the walls um everything is so clean uh it's such a unique town actually the Yeah. we 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 took a day trip uh there coming from sevilla i think
0: yeah you could you could i i i was talking to some uh, painters there you know like the guys who paint the houses it's <laughs> so uh-huh, like yeah. oh yeah so um what choice of paint do you have um, we got white, glossy or white matte. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's it. Oh, okay, that's easy. Yeah. <laughs> so,
1: and, but in places in, like this, like how do you decide? Um, I know a lot of your photography is very, very much sort of landscape, and and but but Spain is is very diverse in terms of you know culture. It's it's so rich. It's so let's say like spicy because it's so different from north to south you know you, you go from north to south that you can actually especially if you drive you can actually feel both the landscape and the people and the architecture change and how how do you design you know your photo tours around this and how do you teach your your, your clientele you know? Thank you for listening to the Wildcast Podcast. And I would like to take this opportunity to invite all of you listeners to help and support the production of this Wildcast Podcast and to help us get amazing guests for all of you to listen to. The conversations, these important conversations that we are having uh, wouldn't be possible without all of you supporters supporting the Wildcast Podcast. And it's so easy to support. All you have to do is go to buymeacoffee.com slash wildcast and buy us a coffee. It's as simple as that. And you help support the production of the Wildcast podcast. So thank you very much. And on with the show.
0: Um, I... I... Like you said, I, I primarily might be shooting landscape. So it's always trying to get to a location for sunrise or sunset to be able to do that at the right time and place. But during the day, there there's, I mean, travel photography has so many genres, right? So you could be, I always want to try and find opportunities for street portrait. So, mm-hmm. you know, we're in a, in a place that has to be, at least, you know, has some sort of population uh, and traffic to be able to do that. Street portrait with or without permission Um, I'll also try and aim for like architecture, so new or old. Um, So I try to give a variety of genres, uh, whether it's food photography or abstract or architecture or people, um, uh, abandoned villages or festivals. Um, There's at least there's this sort of, um, uh, it's not not just one flat, you know, uh, itinerary of just Landscape, landscape, landscape every day, and that's all you do. I like to offer a a variety so that there's a, you know, drama with the festivals, and then that's really relaxing moments with the landscape, but also a little bit of interaction with the local people with the street portrait.
1: Right. And and of course, you know, I wouldn't be, uh, I wouldn't miss. Your your trips to the Philippines with me over the last um we've done what two trips or two trips, right? Uh here in the Philippines. Uh, yeah. I'm... Or is it three trips? Yeah, um, and and you know it's it's been a few years and um is there like we, we went to mostly it's the Rice Terraces and Sagada and of course shooting in the Philippines is quite different from shooting in let's say Spain or Japan where for instance like the golden hour is an actual hour while here it's you know it's a few minutes <laughs> the golden uh it's not really a golden hour because we're in we're we're at the equator so it's more like a 30 minute window or 15 minute window and yeah. what were your, the the favorite places that I brought you to um here in the Philippines uh when when we did those tours back in the day
0: Oh uh, yeah look i mean you have the iconic locations for that very reason because they're they're beautiful right um mount Pulag, of course and batad and uh and uh the, you sagada. know even the sagada area also was really nice and um the people meeting the people you know um so shooting that mix of portraits with permission and then shooting uh the landscape those are the those three locations were the highlight for me. Um,
1: and as a as a child, you never went to any of these locations, right?
0: I mean uh, I did this... certainly. I did. Oh you did. Okay. Uh, yeah. So one I guess point of difference with a with a typical kid from Manila growing up is a lot of um my friends and family, when they were growing up, they were going to like Hong Kong or the US, right? For holidays. Mm-hmm. And like like I said at the beginning, I'd never left the Philippines till I was fifteen and came to Australia for the first time, right? So uh-huh. my parents were a little bit um different in that they they always took us around the Philippines. You know? Oh, nice. Um Yeah, they we went we went to yeah, we went to Bontok, um Bonaue, um twice. And it was a dirt it was a dirt
1: road at the time. It wasn't an easy,
0: easy <laughs> trip. No, no, it wasn't. It was pretty tough. But, uh, my dad would often um, know someone who had the cargo ships that were going around the islands, and we'd end up in you know like Marawi and Cotabato and Wow, uh, you know. Um, I didn't so know we, this about you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that's why when when I was with you, because I hadn't really got to experience that. It was like a rekindling of my childhood, and that's why I was always so excited every day.
1: <laughs> wow, I didn't know you went all the way to like places like Marawi. When what what were you at the time? Um,
0: 10? <laughs> 12? Less. I think I may have been even like uh, seven or eight. Um, and I remember they were even telling us because um, it was it wasn't safe. You know, they were known right. as the headhunters,
1: especially at the time. Yeah,
0: yeah. They said, "Oh, you go go." And as go, a me mestizo David, Filipino, you yeah, would be right. a target. Target, target. Yeah, back then, you know. But yeah, they said, "Oh yeah, go 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 after lunch when their their bellies their bellies are full and they won't headhunt us."
1: <laughs> so, okay,
0: that was silly. But um, yeah, the Zamboanga, We went to Zamboanga. Of course, we spent a lot of time in Davao. We used to go a lot to Iloilo and Capiz uh yeah many places uh i got to experience as a kid and see the real philippines and this is sort
1: of something that i would say i guess you you've brought into your career i mean you this this thirst for travel that your parents gave to you um at a very early age you know seven or eight
0: yeah i'm always curious very very curious uh and and uh and i always fall into the rabbit hole of, of and asking questions <laughs> and 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 uh i mean photography for me is just a a vehicle to or a medium that that is my window to the world because i love to visually communicate um but yeah i mean i you probably got bombarded by questions from me all the time when i was with you of course yes and, i i do remember
1: know. i do remember <laughs> and, and you know i i appreciate the questions because i think um you know clients who i bring also and into the into the mountains uh it, it's important they they ask questions because then you know you're you're able to help them understand the landscape help them understand the culture and i'm sure you get the same thing um for from your clients that go to japan or spain or i mean all of these places that you've been to many times um that you're able to actually provide some sort of I would say better insight because that also provides better photography as well. I think, you know, better insight into the area. Like when I travel, normally my photographs for the first three days are pretty bad. You know, they're pretty shit (laughs) when I travel and then, you know, you, you sort of get into the groove of it and you start taking better photos. I don't know if this happens to you, you know, of course you're, you're a professional, and you need to take the good photo immediately. But does that happen to you, where where you sort of need to immerse yourself into a place a little bit more before your photos start to come out? You know, you know, show the culture of the place, show the spice of these areas.
0: Um, I think when you're, um, I mean, maybe as a well, as a professional. So I mean, primarily I'm teaching photography now. But when I was doing more commercial work. You would often get thrown into uh, many, many locations that you'd never seen before. We, this is even before internet happened, where you couldn't even research before you got there. Right. So you have to rely on your eye. Um, you have to rely on your eye, and my eye, and my eye is curious, just like I'm curious. Mm-hmm. And so I'm always looking for for details um, and good light, and 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 it's practice. It's like like you yeah. know, you you stretch before you go for a run, so you yeah you you gotta it take might for me it might take a few hours not a few days but it yeah. might take a few hours and if I I have to be relaxed if I'm stressed I I try if sometimes photography is a way to help me relax too but um yeah you just gotta practice keep practicing and then that's what I help the, the clients with is to help them relax and find their, I guess, visual
1: voice. Uh Um, And through the the teaching process, now that you talk about your clients and how do you, how do you teach like someone, for instance, who most of your clients, especially the ones that go abroad are a bit more, I would say advanced in their photography uh, compared to, let's say, the ones that go on your city tours and, and, and you give, you give, Photo tours also for people who want to take bet- better photos with their phones. A lot of these things. And what are what would you say are the top tips you can offer to someone who wants to come on your tour or is on your tour? And uh, how do you help them get to find that eye? You get to find their visual voice. Um.
0: Well. First, I want to find out what genre they, they like photographing, if there's a particular genre. Um, I also want to try and find out, I want to see a lot of their, I never take anyone I don't know, right? So um, I, I do a lot of video chats with them, or I meet them face-to-face beforehand. And for me, it's important to know this, what they like, because what I like might not be what they like, right? So Right. Uh, uh, and i have to know what they like and then look if i can look at their folio of their best work as well or if they can show me uh other work that they've seen that they love and they would love to do it like that you know in that style so that helps that gives me a benchmark to work from and then and then as i get to know them personally through the trip because it's you know you're together 24/7 right so yeah um you can slowly find out in more detail about what they're trying to say visually, you know, what what speaks to them when they're out in the landscape, for example, what what are they attracted to? Um, and I don't, I don't, I never push my opinion, I, I want to find out what they're trying to say, visually, um, and every person's different. So that's why it, the more I get to know them, then they if I understand them, then they understand me and the way I talk and teach, then they become better yeah
1: and and has it been has there been a an occasion where one of your clients actually becomes a professional is there some has there been that like someone who has gone on your trips um or gone on um a workshop with you and then turned into a professional photographer
0: um, maybe, yeah, yeah, actually, I was just talking to one two days ago, Sue. Sue's a family portrait baby kids photographer. Oh, nice. Um, she was dabbling in it, and she's a mother of three kids. Um, and she came with me in uh spring to you during cherry blossoms to Japan, and uh, she was dabbling in it she had a marketing background and um then she yeah she does it full time now so and yeah actually we're gonna she's coming with me to uluru in in, uh, a couple of months so she's yeah one example of how she's been able to have the confidence to to do it Mm -hmm. we and i keep in touch with all my customers if i can you know I was talking to Ian the other day. Remember, Ian? The, the oh, yeah, various... of
1: course, of course, Ian. Yeah, oh. yeah. I, he yeah. does a lot of cycling these days. So he, ah, he sends me messages mad
0: Yeah, he just said, oh, oh yeah, yeah, I just rode 150 kilometers to this town the other day. And he's got a, an electric mountain bike.
1: Right, right. He did tell me ah. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's retired now, right? So he, he can do yeah. basically he can do whatever he wants. And um,
0: when, we met him, when we met him, he was retired.
1: That's true. He just he just retired. I think he sold his yeah. dairy farm. Was it? Uh, when when we met him, uh, like uh, as as for equipment, like talking about photography, yeah. what kind of equipment do you normally bring on your trips? I I know I've seen you take mostly with one lens uh, most of the time when we were on a trip in the Philippines and. Um so what what are the types of equipment or what are the lenses that you prefer when you go on your your photo trips?
0: I try to take I I love prime lenses. I and I understand the convenience of of you know like 16 to 35s or 24 to 70s mm. or 70 to 200s. I, I I totally and the quality of those lenses is uh, is getting better and better and better. Um however, mm. um I love prime so I have a Canon EOS R a mirrorless okay and I uh take uh my 18 millimeter Carl Zeiss uh Destagon which is a manual focus camera which I use primarily for most of my landscape photography uh-huh. and I and then I just take another lens like a 50 mil 1.2 prime lens or 85 mil 1.2 which I use for almost every other genre. Right.
1: Uh, 50 like, is one uh, of my favorite um yeah. focal lengths actually. I, I find uh, it to be something yeah. I can easily transition to from whatever.
0: Yeah, it's you know, it's just you know, you don't have that much distortion. Uh it's pin sharp edge to edge. Uh yes, you can you'll have trouble with with shallow depth of field because it's more it's a longer lens. Uh but these days, you know, with all the technology and software, and we can do all sorts of things uh Photoshop and Lightroom are my primary uh, software mm-hmm. and uh, you you talk about technology now, and it's
1: being in photography for so long as as you have you've gone through the film phase and now of course digital and and mirrorless when you were here the last you weren't Still using a mirrorless camera, you were using a typical DSLR. And how has it changed your business going from film to digital over, you know, the almost 30 years of your career?
0: Well, um, as we know, when the digital age arrived, uh, everyone became a photographer more than before, and even more so now with mobile phones. But, um, uh look it made my i think it made my life a lot easier uh i love mm-hmm. the technology i'm as much of a um philosophical about the creativity and what I teach as i am a geek freak uh about technology so um yeah i think it it's just it makes makes my life a lot easier um right now i'm here just behind me and on the floor i'm i'm shooting flowers um, oh wow okay so yeah, you know, and I'm using my 50 mil. I'm putting flowers on like a light box, and I'm giving it this luminance, and mm-hmm. I'm focus stacking. I'm doing HDR. I'm, I'm playing with um. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's really can, sort of opened yeah.
1: up. I mean, there's a lot of people when when digital first came out. There's a lot of people. Oh, you know, film is still the best, and 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 now once you actually embrace that whole digital realm. I think it, there's there's so much you can do you know there's so much that it opens up to you and makes things you know like you said so much easier than it
0: used to be what what I have brought with me uh when I shoot is the f- treating my sometimes I treat my digital uh photography like film photography so what I mean by that is I'm if I'm teaching some uh customers i'll say to them like let's do a little micro challenge for like 10 minutes and can you go and treasure hunt and look for like texture or shapes but don't look at the images um oh, for 10 days okay. just for th- some people freak out especially the younger generation so i go don't no look, <laughs> don't check because people yeah. love to shoot and check shoot and check and I, and uh and so i've kind of brought a little bit of that old world into the teaching because I think it you need to slow down I mean even by putting a camera photo uh camera on a tripod you slow down um so, so everyone needs to slow down and 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 stop checking and just be mm-hmm. in the moment more and so that's just one way to do it just 10 minutes 10 minutes yeah don't check
1: I mean it's I I I, yeah. I shot with film the first camera I've I've had in fact I've sort of uh late Digital guy, I I I only shifted to digital digital in two thousand ten. So yeah. so I I was using film up to up to that point, and I still take take with me that that thing where I only have thirty six shots, and I, you know it's it's limited. So as a as someone who shoots on a digital camera, and I've compared myself to some other friends, they they tend to have like thousands and thousands of photos whenever they go out on a, on a photo trip. And I, I tend to have like a thousand photos for the entire trip. You know, like I would have much, much less uh, than they would. And I think it's really like what you said, you know, like sort of more purposeful shooting and not not so much. I think that's what digital sort of created is that because there's this endless supply of memory, you can just plug in a new card, plug in a new card. And people have stopped, and especially with the phones, where you don't really think. Just take a picture, shoot it, shoot it out into social media. Um, but taking a camera and taking the time to, to have more purposeful photography, it really does make a difference as compared to just shooting with your phone or or just shooting whatever you see with, with you know your digital camera.
0: Yeah, I, it's um, I think it's super important as well to add to that that um, you. You also have to start looking at your hit rate. So let's say you go out and you shoot a hundred photos. What percentage of those photos are you actually happy with? Right. Um, and so That's the higher dip. the higher your hit rate, the the the, the more the, the happier you are. Um. So, and when I when I edit and look at my photos, I don't even delete anything. I don't bother because it's a downer, right? It's like you want to yeah. focus on having fun editing as you do shooting, and uh, the less time I can sit in front of the computer, the better. Um, and then, uh, yeah, just try and get better at your, uh, you know, com- composition or technical, or and just nail it if you can in camera. Without having to fix mm. it so much later,
1: right? Now, the the pandemic has moved on from you know year one to year two now, and what are your plans? Like, what are your future plans for your let's say photography trips? If once everybody's vaccinated, there in Australia, uh, I'm sure they'll start opening borders and all of that. Is there some local photo trips, like a, have you started because of the pandemic, did you start dreaming of doing <laughs> your own trip for yourself like what's your dream photo destination, dream photo trip? if let's say money the pandemic was over and you could go anywhere and spend like a month uh in your in your favorite desti- in your you know dream destination for photography, what would that be?
0: Um. Wow. Uh, so just you're talking personally, nothing to do with yeah, work, just personally, just not not for on. the
1: business, not for. I mean, yeah. I, like personally now, I've been thinking of trips that I've wanted to do or have put off, and and for a lot of you know the last few years, a lot of my trips were for work or 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 things like that, and similar to you, no, and now that you've had some time to step back and think what's that trip that you would love to do that you know take yourself out on a photo trip just for yourself basically for your for your own photography
0: um i'm i'm a little bit of um a realist as well as a dreamer right so and and i've been able to to do exactly that so for example uh, when I was in Spain in uh, May of uh, 2018, I had a dream to go to the Faroe Islands, you know, above Scotland. Okay. that belongs yeah. to Denmark. as far of Denmark. And the, uh, the landscapes. And now it's become... I, and I went. I was able to go. I went with my, my daughter. Uh, we went together. It was such a great trip for the two of us. And it was a scouting trip. So um, I kind of um looking... Uh, at ways to not only go there for myself, like I treat all my destinations, but also offer it to my customers in the future. So mm-hmm. um, I would say the next le- location that might come to mind, if I ever, if it ever comes to fruition, might be Mongolia.
1: Oh, okay.
0: Yeah. Yeah, maybe Mongolia, maybe uh, like reindeer herders. Um, oh, that
1: would be something. Yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, or you know, even like, uh, but they're they're becoming a little bit commercialized in some parts, you know. But, uh, it, but you know, I for me, I think what I've uh, as I get older now too, I've I've kind of trained myself to find beauty wherever I am, even in my neighborhood, you know, and, and that mm-hmm. to me, you, you know, cause I, I don't, I don't, I'm not that interested in going to these iconic locations, um, as much as I may have been before. I'm, I'm more interested in going to remote places. So like Batanes, right. as you know, you know, I think Batanes is still a little bit, I mean, it's become popular, but. Compared to the rest, it's of the still things,
1: difficult right? to get to in this yeah, day. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that,
0: that's the thing. You know, even if you just, even if you're going to like Ibayat and Saptang Island, and yeah. you know, that's a little again a little bit more remote. I love uh, going with you. You know, to remote places, and I also think that uh, I'm. I don't know if it's just me, mm. but post pandemic, a lot of people are gonna be looking for small groups to go right. with to as remote a location as possible
1: um, and it's
0: true that is true the more off the grid it is the happier we'll be because people um you know even in here in australia you know it's been it's taken a while but only now i'm starting to get inquiries to go out of the state you know oh wow okay People, people have been hesitant, and I, I mean, most of my age group as well are seventy plus years old, so Mm -hmm. (laughs) they want their vaccine before they go anywhere, right? Of course, of course. Yeah, yeah. and then and then they'll make the next step, maybe next year, to go overseas. So, um, yeah, I think there's beauty everywhere. You just gotta, it's just a mindset, and you just gotta keep training yourself to see it and find find the beauty. But yeah, I guess Mongolia would be my my go to if i could.
1: All right. So, anyway, thank you for that. And i hope uh this is such a uh nice discussion and really good to be, you know, uh getting in touch again. And um thank you very much for giving me the time uh to talk about your craft and of course your travels. And i think for a lot of people who will be listening to this, it's nice, you know, to be able to sort of travel through this conversation you know whether it's in Japan or Sagada or Batad that the places that we've been to or or Spain uh I think it it will help people sort of dream again for uh what's possible you know after the pandemic is over so thank you very much um
0: yeah and I, and I
1: hope you'll be you'll be back here again soon you know
0: I hope so too but um, yeah please uh, if any of your listeners are are also interested I do live streaming uh, classes they can visit my website alfonso.com.au. Um au and uh, yeah and I hope everyone's feeling uh, a little better and I hope I can this has given them a little bit of hope as Australia is doing pretty good and uh, I'm sure the Philippines will get there um, and so will the rest of the world so Yep. Stay safe, everyone.
1: And that was my friend, Alfonso Calero, photographer, traveler. And I hope that conversation with him allowed all of you to travel a little bit while we're all still stuck in our little homes, while we're all still stuck in our little cities. And truly what... Alfonso said there to find the wonder to find the amazement in the everyday ordinary things is an important skill to master especially now in this pandemic for sure that's something that I've had to deal with uh, not being able to leave our little town of Baguio I feel like a hamster at some point just going round and round doing these micro adventures everywhere but then it suddenly just clicks you know it just clicks that my god there's beauty in my hometown there's these beautiful spaces that i've never known before i'm just discovering them during this pandemic and simply of course just being present you know just allowing yourself to accept the fact that you're alive you're healthy you're present where you are right now you're not hard up you're at home you're with family you're with your loved ones and that's really an important skill to have and i really admire alfonso in the way he sees the world it's really in many ways even when we were together here in the philippines he sees the world of wonder so thank you everyone for listening to the wildcast podcast and hope to see you or to hear you listening to the podcast again next week we have some amazing guests coming on board and can't wait we really can't wait to have you listen to them thank you everybody so you've made it to the very end of the wildcast podcast so once again I would like to ask for your support I'd like to ask for all of you to continue supporting the wildcast podcast your coffees keep them coming um they have literally kept the WildCast podcast awake. They have kept production going. And they've kept us looking and striving to get the best guests possible, to create the best conversations for all of you listeners of the WildCast podcast. So if you want to support the WildCast podcast, uh, how to support is in our show notes. You can just go to buymeacoffee.com wildcast. And buy us a coffee, buy us three, buy us five. It's up to you. And thank you so much, everyone. And keep it wild.